0: Part Five, Chapter Ten, of *The Voyages of Doctor Dolittle*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Winnie Hathaway. *The Voyages of Doctor Dolittle* by Hugh Lofting, the tenth chapter. THE CORONATION OF KING JONG In my long lifetime I have seen many grand and inspiring things, but never anything that impressed me half as much as the sight of the whispering rocks as they looked on the day KING JONG was crowned. As Bumpo, Chi-Chi, Polynesia, Jip and I finally reached the dizzy edge of the Great Wall and looked down inside it, it was like gazing over a never-ending ocean of copper-coloured faces— for every seat in the theatre was filled. Every man, woman, and child in the island, including Long Arrow who had been carried up on his sickbed, was there to see the show. Yet not a sound, not a pin-drop, disturbed the solemn silence of the whispering rocks. It was quite creepy and sent chills running up and down your spine. Boompo told me afterwards that it took his breath away too much for him to speak, but that he hadn't known before that there were that many people in the world. Away down by the table of the throne stood a brand new, brightly colored totem pole. All the Indian families had totem poles and kept them set up before the doors of their houses. The idea of a totem pole is something like a door plate or a visiting card it represents in its carvings the deeds and qualities of the family to which it belongs this one beautifully decorated and much higher than any other was the Doolittle, or as it was to be henceforth called the royal Lot totem it had nothing but animals on it to signify the doctor's great knowledge of creatures and the animals chosen to be shown were those which, to the Indians, were supposed to represent good qualities of character, such as the deer for speed, the ox for perseverance, the fish for discretion, and so on. But at the top of the totem is always placed the sign or animal by which the family is most proud to be known. This on the think pole was an enormous parrot in memory of the famous piece of the parrots. The ivory throne had been all polished with scented oil, and it glistened whitely in the strong sunlight. At the foot of it there had been strewn great quantities of branches of flowering trees, which, with a new warmth of milder climates, were now blossoming in the valleys of the island. Soon we saw the royal litter with the doctor seated in it, slowly ascending the winding steps of the table. Reaching the flat top at last, it halted and the doctor stepped out upon the flowery carpet. So still and perfect was the silence that even at that distance above, I distinctly heard a twig snap beneath his tread. Walking to the throne accompanied by the old man, the doctor got up upon the stand and sat down. How tiny his little round figure looked when seen from that tremendous height! The throne had been made for longer-legged kings, and when he was seated his feet did not reach the ground but dangled six inches from the top step. Then the old man turned round, and looking up at the people, began to speak in a quiet, even voice. But every word he said was easily heard in the furthest corner of the whispering rocks. First he recited the names of all the great popsy-petal kings who in days long ago had been crowned in this ivory chair. He spoke of the greatness of the petal people, of their triumphs, of their hardships. Then, waving his hand towards the doctor, he began recounting the things which this king-to-be had done. And I am bound to say that they easily outmatched the deeds of those who had gone before him. As soon as he started to speak of what the doctor had achieved for the tribe, the people, still strictly silent, all began waving their right hands towards the throne. This gave to the vast theatre a very singular appearance. Acres and acres of something moving with never a sound. At last the old man finished his speech, and stepping up to the chair, very respectfully removed the doctor's battered high hat. He was about to put it upon the ground, but the doctor took it from him hastily and kept it on his lap. Then... Taking up the sacred crown, he placed it upon John Doolittle's head. It did not fit very well, for it had been made for smaller-headed kings, and when the wind blew in freshly from the sunlit sea, the doctor had some difficulty in keeping it on. But it looked very splendid. Turning once more to the people, the old man said, "'Men of Bob behold your elected king! Are you content?' And then at last the voice of the people broke loose. "John, Jong they shouted. Long, Long Min, King King John The sound burst upon the solemn silence with the crash of a hundred cannon. There where even a whisper carried miles, the shock of it was like a blow in the face. Back and forth the mountains threw it to one another. I thought the echoes of it would never die away, as it passed rumbling through the whole island, jangling among the lower valleys, booming in the distant sea-caves. Suddenly, I saw the old man point upward to the highest mountain in the island, and looking over my shoulder, I was just in time to see the hanging stone tupple slowly out of sight down into the heart of the volcano. "'See ye, man of the moving land!' the old man cried. The stone has fallen, and our legend has come true. The king of kings is crowned this day. The doctor, too, had seen the stone fall, and he was now standing up, looking at the sea expectantly. He's thinking of the air chamber, said Bumpo in my ear. Let us hope that the sea isn't very deep in these parts. After a full minute, so long did it take the stone to fall that depth, We heard a muffled, distant, crunching thud. And then, immediately after, a great hissing of escaping air. The doctor, his face tense with anxiety, sat down in the throne again, still watching the blue water of the ocean with staring eyes. Soon we felt the island slowly sinking beneath us. We saw the sea creep inland over the beaches as the shores went down. One foot, three feet, ten feet... Twenty fifty a hundred and then, thank goodness, gently as a butterfly alighting in a rose, it stopped. Spider Monkey Island had come to rest on the sandy bottom of the Atlantic, and Earth was joined to Earth once more. Of course many of the houses near the shores were now under water. Petal village itself had entirely disappeared. But it didn't matter no one was drowned for every soul in the island was high up in the hills watching the coronation of king john the indians themselves did not realize at the time what was taking place though of course they had felt the land sinking beneath them the doctor told us afterwards that it must have been the shock of that tremendous shout coming from a million throats at once which had toppled the hanging stone off its perch but in popsy battle history the story was handed down and it is firmly believed to this day, that when King Jong sat upon the throne, so great was his mighty weight, that the very island itself sank down to do him honor, and never moved again. End of Part 5 Chapter 10 Recording by Winna Hasselway in Fayetteville, North Carolina